All right then, let's get started. Thanks everyone for joining for another community AMA. Um, yeah, we have Shardo right off the bat setting us up with six nice questions. So yeah, let's just get right into it. So first question is, could you give us an update on what the team is currently working on? Actually, sorry, <laughs> I just realized uh, there was a question before that. And that is from Jay Sweat's uh, When Real Life Meetup. <laughs> well, sir, as you know, we are an Anon team. So, you know, far be it from me to stop a group of Lefinity people meeting up with each other, but... As for me, I will not be participating, at least not now. How is testing of the bonk pool? Yeah, so the bonk pool is uh, not going great. <laughs> so what we've discovered is that the pricing data for bonk hasn't been very good. Uh, so in other words, the the price, the price publishers, the people who send their price data to Pith, which is then aggregated, um, that appears to not be that good. Um, we're not like entirely sure why, but generally what we've observed is is that um, the Pith price tends to be higher than um, Dex prices, like um, like regularly or systematically, I should say. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to try one thing, which is switching from Bonk USDC to Bonk Sol to see if that will be any better um, to be determined. But yeah, because the pricing data wasn't that great, um, the pool had trouble rebalancing which is not good for uh, market making profit. So yeah, that's unfortunate, but not all hope is lost for that pool. So yeah, we'll see how the bonk soul pool performs and we'll report back. <laughs> Let's see, I guess, yeah, actually, never mind. Yeah, so okay, moving on to Shardo's question, the first one. It is. Could you give us an update on what the team is currently working on? Yeah, so basically we've been, like, for the past few months, couple months, we've been, like, hardcore testing V2. And um, when I say testing V2, that doesn't just mean, like, testing specific pools, which, of course, we've also done and like optimizing the parameters of each pool that also means like testing v2 itself and uh, because like we're like we're just getting familiar with how it works and whether it's working and any issues that arose and happy to not announce but um let you know i guess <laughs> that like that sort of testing is mostly done like uh so yeah like v2 is is working well basically um 
So there is still like testing to do for individual pools, in particular, like optimizing them. But um, going forward, the per pool testing should go much faster than it appeared to have gone in the past. Because in the past, we had this like more fundamental testing of like, is V2 working? Not like this specific pool, but V2 as a whole. So yeah, going forward, testing for new pools should be faster than before, which is great. Um, so yeah, that's the bulk of what we've been working on. And things we plan to work on going forward. Um, although like, ideally, we first, we'd probably like want to move like all of our pools to V2, or at least create a V2 pool for them, if not migrate them. <clears throat> so yeah, after that, we will be working on moving our front end or rewriting it in React. Uh, right now, it's written in, uh, what was it? Starts with a V. Some framework that I'm not really familiar with. Versal? Vu. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thanks. And, uh, yeah, so rewrite, rewriting it in React will make it more snappy and easier to work with, I believe. So that's one thing. There's the, uh, secret project thing that we've mentioned before. Still working on that. Um, we want to work on our next dashboard iteration. Um, plenty left to do there. And we want to add a custom RPC. Um, there's occasionally been like RPC issues for people. Um, and the ability to like choose your own RPC could alleviate some of those problems for some people. So yeah, I want to add that. So yeah, those are like some, some of the things in the pipeline, not all, but yeah, just to give you an idea. Uh, let's see. Yeah. So next question 1.1 and what's coming, what's upcoming over the next few months. Well, I guess I kind of just answered that. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. Number two, you had teased some big brain emoji <laughs> that the team was working on a month or two ago. Is that still a work in progress or did it have some conclusion? Yeah, we're still working on it. So this isn't like a certain thing. It's not like we are 100% going to like launch this thing. Um, it's still like partially in the ideation stage, partially in like actually developing it stage. So whether it's viable or not is probably kind of dependent on like how the Solana ecosystem is doing as a whole. Um, but yeah, that's probably about as much I can say. <laughs> Number three, anything to share on how the bonk pool is doing? Uh, let's see. I just talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. I just talked about that. So should, should have that covered. Number four, when can we expect the flare own liquidity and protocol own liquidity update from you? Could we have an announcement of an, an of an announcement for it? Uh, yeah. So like, uh, I asked a while ago, and it, it looks like the community wants it to, or asked like, I said we can do it on a quarterly basis and uh, asked if we should do it immediately. 
on some day in January when I asked, uh, or do it like, um, like the standard quarterly reporting frequency, which is like after each three month segment. So our first update will be at the end of March. So about a month from now. Um, I don't think we'll do an announcement of an announcement or I don't know. Is that what you meant by an announcement of an announcement? Yeah, I guess I never like officially announced that that's what we'll, what we'll be doing, but yeah, I guess like next time we, when we actually do release the update, I'll just mention that, Hey, going forward, we're going to be doing it on a quarterly basis type of thing. Um, I mean, I could announce it, but I don't know. I'm not sure if people care to know the announcement of an announcement. The last time I tried an announcement of an announcement with uh, the Pyro Sorceress, like, people were like not into that shit. <laughs> I mean, they like Pyro Sorceress, but like it was just like people were kind of whatever about the announcement of the announcement. Well, also, to be fair, like I did do, I split it up into like seven, six or seven announcements. So maybe that was the problem. <laughs> Anyways, all right, next question. Number five, Lefinity has consistently been number two on the volume charts for a while now. Is there something concerning that you foresee in the near future, or are we all good? Potential competitors, perhaps, or something like that? Yeah, so I would say we are all good. Um, this is kind of around the, the, uh, like the, the place we've been on the volume charts for as long as we've existed, as far as I remember, like something along these lines. I mean, sometimes we've been lower, um, but we've never been number one, uh, not consistently anyways. There was that one day when we like screwed up the USDC USDT pool and had like over 30 million in one day. But uh, yeah, that doesn't count. Um, so the thing is like, our goal is never volume. Uh, this is the thing you should always keep in mind. Like volume is basically the wrong metric to be looking at. Volume is good for catching eyeballs, but it is not necessarily good for profitability. It is necessary for profitability, but it's not sufficient for profitability. Um, if we just wanted volume, it would be easy to get more. We just lower our fees, we just increase our concentration, um, and boom, more volume. But that doesn't necessarily translate into more profit. And so, and that's what we're always trying to maximize for, is maximum profitability. And of course, that also means even if it comes at the cost of less volume. Uh, if, if less volume means more profit, then like we're all for that. So yeah, like wherever we land on the volume charts, like we're kind of okay with it. Um, I mean, like if we were like, if we were a second right now, but like a month later, we're like number 10, then that probably means we're doing something wrong <laughs> or like there is some kind of significant regime shift where like we're, we're somehow no longer viable or something. But, you know, like when we're like up there, as we have been like since our inception, that basically says like, well, at least ballpark, we're probably like, okay, like, 
there's nothing obviously going wrong. I mean, it, volume can't tell you whether we're, like we're optimizing correctly. Um, it's just one number, <laughs> but like it, it should it shouldn't get you worrying is what I'm trying to say. So yeah, I hope that clarifies that. Um, yeah, all right. Number six, could you tease an explanation of how the team thinks about optimizing its pools for market making profit? Are you involved in this or is it the other team members? Yeah, so I don't do, I'm not involved in like the data analysis and parameter tweaking. Basically like after they, after the devs do that kind of stuff and reach conclusions, then they will let me know what the conclusions are, but I'm not like involved in the process. Um, so yeah, so you say, how does the team think about optimizing for market making profit? Uh, the answer is that we don't, I mean, just to reiterate from the previous question, like we're optimizing for profitability and profit, or in other words, net APR is the sum of trading fees and market making profit. So like if we were just optimizing for market making profit, I can tell you like what that would look like. What it would mean is basically we'd only do trades where there's a large discrepancy between DEX price and um, sex or centralized exchange price. <laughs> I always feel weird about saying sex um, <clears throat> because that's when you know there's a price dislocation and you know that the DEX price is going to move to the sex price. And so if you buy or sell at the DEX price and then do the opposite uh, using the, or wait, um, if you, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the wrong way. If you buy or sell at the sex price, you know that the DEX price will eventually converge to you. So you basically like are front running that in a sense. So then, um, at least like on short time scales, you know that you are you are like buying or selling in the right direction. So that's how you would optimize for market making profit. But if you literally only cared about market making profit, you would do that to like an extreme where like uh, so so the thing here's the thing you would miss out on is like say when there's no volatility and sex price dex price is like approximately the same then because there's no price movement, we don't know where price is gonna move next. We're basically like ignorant about that. So we have no like directional view. And for that reason, we would say no to all trades because we don't know how it's gonna affect market making profit. Um, in reality, we, we don't think like that because we want trading fees. So if we think like, if, if price is like relatively stable right now, um, then like we want to get a trade, even though that like the trade will like slightly make our pool imbalanced, right? And that's what puts a puts us at risk of impermanent loss. But like we're okay with that because we know that on average, the trading fees we generate from that are going to be greater than the uh, risk of impermanent loss. And that's why we like in practice we do take those trades, right? because we're optimizing for the sum of trading fees and market making profit, not just market making profit. And I mean, you could do the, the thought experiment of the opposite as well. Like what if we optimized just for trading fees? That one's pretty simple. You just like, um, actually is it? Let's see. 
yeah, I guess it's not like super simple. Um, but basically like you would concentrate a lot more so that like you're always at the top of the book. <laughs> you're like leveraged to the hilt. And um, what that does is like now everyone's going to trade against you. Like every trade is against your pool because you have the best liquidity. What that also means is that when price moves, um, you're going to be caught on the wrong side. <laughs> so you're going to have major and permanent loss because you're like way more concentrated than you should be. And so, yeah, you can see like there's a trade-off, right? You can't just optimize for one. If you optimize for market-making profit, it's going to come at the expense of trading fees. If you optimize just for trading fees, you're going to have a lot of impermanent loss. So like you have to think of them simultaneously and um, yeah, it's a multivariate optimization problem. Uh, I hope that gives context and like, yeah, answers whatever you were looking for. <laughs> uh, let me know if you have any follow-up questions on that. <clears throat> All right. Next question, we have Ped Pedra Norte. I probably mispronounced that. Oh, well. Uh, best pools are closed at this time. Will there be opportunity to those who missed the boat to get in? Yeah, so maybe you are not aware but the pools that are closed are all full with protocol-owned liquidity. So it's not that like some privileged or lucky individuals got to deposit and they get to experience this, this nice APR. Um, rather, it's that all the liquidity is owned by the protocol. And so whatever yield that liquidity generates is split proportionally among VE Lifinity holders. So basically, if you want exposure to the yield of those closed pools, the way is to the way to do that is through VE Lifinity. So for example, you could buy X Lifinity, convert it to VE Lifinity, and uh, yeah, then you'd you'd have exposure to those pools. Um, in case you're not aware, the reason we do that is because um, it's really important for us to control the level of liquidity. Like we do a lot of optimizations for the parameters of our pools and those optimizations are specific to like how much liquidity there current, currently is. And if the amount of liquidity was always fluctuating like up and down, then we would have to like redo these optimizations um, and do it like continuously. It would be like always messed up, right? Cause like people are always depositing and withdrawing. It would not be pretty. Um, and also like there is like an optimal level of liquidity that leads to max profitability. And that's what we aim for. And if we just open the pools then like, you know, every, like no one would think about that, right? It'd just be like, oh look, nice APR, I'm gonna deposit. Like they're not thinking about like how um, whether this is like good for the pool overall and like how that will affect APR or anything like that. Anyway, so we have good reason for doing that. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess you could say you did miss the boat, but also not really because you can uh, still get exposure to it through our tokens. So yeah. All right, next question, Shardo. Context on... 
Um, I think this is a quote. Oh, never mind. Confixed on, could we have an announcement of an announcement for it? Since the flare own liquidity and protocol own liquidity update is like a shell shareholder announcement kind of a thing that might affect flare and Xlafinity prices, I figured people might be interested in knowing the info on the exact time it will come so that they can adjust accordingly. I see. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, hmm. I'm not sure if I want to like promise a time. I, I, but yeah, also I'm not sure that like, uh, I mean, that kind of makes sense, but also not a lot. Cause like usually like, uh, the thing that affects like asset prices is like earnings reports. Right. And, uh, that's like our monthly revenue figures. The, uh, balance sheet update is like, that's basically just a function of like asset prices, right? It's like, uh, how much is like, especially how much is our soul bag worth right now? You know, like that's basically the gist of it. Right. So, um, I mean like in the meantime, we've bought some assets to put into like new pools and stuff, but like, it's not a huge amount. So to me, like it's more about, especially for like flares, or I guess uh, Xlafinity or Lafinity as well, like knowing the intrinsic value, like if people want to do that. But I think people know that the prices of the assets are above the intrinsic value. So it's not like there's going to be this thing where like, yeah, we, we announce it and then like, holy shit, like these assets are below their intrinsic value, easy buy. Like that's not going to happen. <laughs> At least not like right now. So, yeah. Um, but I mean, uh, we'll probably normalize the date that we announce it, at least, I think. And uh, I mean, we usually like announce things around the same time, like when we make like our flare buyback announcements, our revenue announcements. Those are usually like like a, an hour or two after right now. So yeah, it'll probably be like about the same. I'd be surprised if like, you know, people see the, the balance sheet and that leads to, I don't know, significant buying and selling. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard for me to see what the reason for that would be. Uh, but yeah, those are my thoughts on it. What do you think? Is that reasonable? All right, next question, Snowball says, we are now second in terms of volume on Solana uh, monthly. Uh, is a new increase of the fees envisaged to remain hidden and not to incite the other decks to lower their fees? Um, so let's see. I don't think so because, uh, so for first of all, the lowering the fees part, <laughs> Like our main competitor, at least right now, is Orca. And uh, the most important pool is Soul USDC. And they have multiple fee tiers. They have 0 0.05, 0 0.3, and 1%, I believe. And so it's really up to the LPs to decide like what fee tier they want to use. 
in our fee tier, last time I checked, it was uh, 0.08%. So like we're in between their, their lowest and their second lowest. Um, and yeah, that is something that we've changed from time to time and we'll continue to do so. But it's more a function of like how much total volume is there on Solana? And like how are how aggressive are the arbitrage bots and like things like this and less about like the other dexes or like the, the the part of other dexes that the dexes themselves control so like the amount of liquidity on on orca for example orca doesn't control that right and so it's like not that um so we don't need to like try to like fight them in that way or try to like change the behavior of the dex itself um yeah and uh the other part you asked is to remain hidden um i'm not sure what you mean by that part uh remain hidden yeah i'm not sure um like so yeah we're set i, I kind of talked about volume earlier in response to Shardo, I think, one of his questions. And, I mean, basically, like, the same logic there. Like, where we sit in terms of the volume compared to other DEXs is, like, not very meaningful. So, like, just to give another hypothetical example to demonstrate this, say, like, Radium suddenly, like, jacks up their liquidity mining. So suddenly, like... I don't know what their figures are right now, but say they do like like half a million dollars worth of Ray in incentives for like a bunch of pools. <laughs> I mean, that's like an insane amount, right? So then like everyone's going to LP on Radium. I mean, I mean, fuck, I'm going to LP on Radium <laughs> for those rewards. Like it's probably, you know, it'll make the impermanent loss worth it. Um. And uh, then <clears throat> just because they have tons of liquidity, they're going to get tons of volume. And so we'll probably get knocked down to third place. But that's totally fine. That's probably actually like good for us because now Radium has more um, Sol USDC liquidity among others. And the others like we don't care about because we don't have those pools anyway. So it's kind of like whatever. I mean, it's like good for Solana. So I mean, all for it. But like for the Sol USDC pool, like there will be more liquidity and it's actually like suboptimal liquidity. It's like more liquidity than is needed because these other protocols don't try to find the like right amount of liquidity or whatever. They just want as much as they can get. And so the more there is of that, that means there's more liquidity that we can arbitrage against or arbitragers can um, trade between our pool and radium. Uh, and that increases our volume too. And it's good volume because like arbitrage volume is like volume where like we're using the centralized exchange price. So it's kind of like the thing I explained earlier where it, it, it's, it's a point in time where we have like a directional view sort of. It's like centralized exchange price is the right price, DEX price is the wrong price. And we're, we're trading with the centralized exchange price. So it's, it's like a good trade basically. Um, yeah, so all that to say, I forgot what I was even talking about. Uh, let's see. 
uh yeah should we increase our fees so yeah so i mean oh yeah so volume volume um so that's just another explanation of like why volume is not a good indicator really um or like yeah where where we rank in terms of volume not a great indicator um that can change for a variety of reasons and yeah ultimately we just optimize for um for profitability and yeah so i mean like it's totally possible that an increase in fees is warranted but um and we're always like looking for that to see if like we should increase or decrease our fees <laughs> um but yeah we wouldn't base it on like volume rankings uh yeah it would be based on other things <clears throat> all right uh next part of your question have you seen that a whale who has been buying for several months with five or 10k has a very very big wallet yeah i think someone mentioned a while ago like there's a guy buying in like clips of 5k usually and that they have six million in their wallet <laughs> uh, i don't think or at least i i never found found out who that is or like what's up what what their deal is or like what they're trying to do yeah i just have no idea <laughs> but yeah someone brought that up in the uh in the chat once uh, and then continuing you say at first i thought it was only 8 million but finally he has a second wallet with something like 32 million in seoul oh wow yeah i have no idea it's uh it's a vc that's not a vc <laughs> not a proper vc anyways i don't know i mean it could be just could just be a rich guy but uh i mean like no one's reached out to us be like hey by the way we're gonna buy a shit ton of your tokens <laughs> so i have no idea if you're here raise your hand <laughs> good strategy all right uh pedro norte let me know if i'm mispronouncing your name now i'm curious oh thank you for this explanation yeah no worries uh, Promino asks, is there any time frame for when the WBTC USDC will be opened? Um, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, honestly not sure. But I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain that we will open it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, let's see. So I haven't even checked like how much liquidity is on the other exchanges. And that's like an important factor, right? And also like trading volume. I don't like, yeah, I don't know. It might be like tiny. Cause I mean, like uh, there wasn't like a ton of Bitcoin trading volume on Solana anyways, even back when we had Solit BTC. <clears throat> And then it like it was just impossible to trade it for like a few months so then it's probably like even less than back then i mean also just because like solana wide volumes are down so yeah yeah like so it's probably like not a big deal that we're like waiting a little bit for like liquidity and the demand to trade it uh waiting for those to return to a certain level but yeah i haven't i haven't checked with the devs 
on the like the specifics of that pool. But yeah, I mean, we noticed from the moment that Radium opened their pool, and now Orca has as well. So yeah, definitely looking to open it back up. But yeah, no time frame for now. All right, Shardo says, yeah, it's okay as long as we know the date. Thanks for answering all the questions. No problem. All right, Promino asks, will we open a Soul ETH pool? Yes, so that's another one where um, we definitely have our eyes on it. And uh, I think last time someone asked, I said, the plan is to open it once we migrate all our existing pools to V2. So really right now we're just like focused on like getting this whole V2 transition over with before like starting to do other stuff. <coughs> um yes uh, oh orca whirlpool has an st soul eth pool with 0.3 percent fees and decent 24-hour volume yeah so we could look at that as well um yeah but definitely soul eth i mean I, I assume that has much better volume if st soul eth has better volume it's probably only because uh lido is incentivizing that pool <laughs> uh yeah lido's like the main liquidity mining protocol right now i feel like they're they're quite rich splashing things around except for us <laughs> uh sad all right smitten asks how are you doing Durden? you sound energetic as always which is good, but don't you feel like you need some time off? Plus, I've missed those let-me-take-a-sips. All right, let me take a sip. <laughs> I did take a sip before that sip, actually. I just didn't say it. Um, yeah, because you guys make me so self-conscious of it. <laughs> so and I have to be, try and be covert about it. Um, how am I doing? Let's see. I think I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm doing pretty good. Um, Take some time off. Like, uh, for me, I actually enjoy, like, um, working in spurts. So, like, uh, like, doing some work and then taking a short break and doing some more work, that kind of thing fits me much better than like trying to work like for hours on end like a nine to five type of thing um and this job lets me do that quite well so i think it fits my temperament quite well so like i don't feel the need to take time off or like to put it differently like i feel like i take time off every day <laughs> you know it's just in like short intervals and that works really well for me. So yeah, it's good. <laughs> um, Snowball, if you're here, oh yeah, this is the, oh, there's three people, what? Oh my God, there, there's many millionaires. Just me, Lord Prinz. You guys have been with us for a long time. I didn't know you guys were so rich. This changes everything. All right, Ideal William with the thumbs up. Thanks for the th thumbs up, homie. 
I don't think I've ever seen you before, so welcome. Um, unless you're WTB, then get the fuck out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I I had to I had to say it, guys. Someone had to make a WTB joke. A <laughs> uh, promino says, 500k volume in the last 24 hours. Uh, this is for WBTC USDC. 500k. That sounds pretty good, actually. Half of it happening on Radium. Actually, wait, actually, no, I'm not sure. So I was thinking, like, in terms of our pool's volume, from what I remember, it was something like 200k per day or something. Um, But I don't know, like, what the global volume on Bitcoin on Solana was. So that's why I'm not sure if, like... 500k is less or more than what it used to be. Yeah, maybe if we look at our historical numbers, if we have those. Um, yeah, we could check. Anyways, let me uh mention that to our devs again. Although I'm pretty sure like they have their hands full and like yeah, like I said, like focusing on V2 for now. Um but yeah yeah thanks for thanks for telling me the numbers <clears throat> all right lord prince just tuning in a few minutes ago project d's already been discussed yes sir uh ah oh, shit i got nothing <laughs> i i tried to make a joke i got nothing but anyways apparently you're rich lord prince you uh you're a millionaire now. When did that happen? <laughs> Tell us your story. I took a sip. How do you like that? Now I don't warn you anymore. I just take it and then let you know after the fact. Suck on that. <laughs> uh, really, I'm just waiting for the next question. I'm, I'm just trying to entertain y'all probably not doing a very good job oh actually uh i saw this very funny or interesting thing that i i thought maybe you guys would appreciate or could enlighten me so like i was i was looking uh like on a previous community ama i think i mentioned like maybe i'll just stop doing the the uh the twitter spaces because seemed like not many people were joining I kind of like looked back um, on the previous ones to see like how many people had joined. And uh, so last community AMA, there was 27, I think. And then two months, no, th three months ago, there was 70 something. But two months ago, there was over 1000 people who had joined our community AMA. And I was like, what the fuck? It has to be bots, right? Like, who are these 1,000 people? I have, like, zero idea. Oh, actually, I just remembered. Do you remember that time when, like, at the end of the community AMA, I, I checked, like, I, I turned my phone screen on uh, to see the Twitter spaces, and then, like, it had been turned off. 
and like that had never happened before like it had just ended part way through like halfway through and i think that was that day i think i wonder if that was related anyways anyone know the answer to this mystery who these thousand plus people are all right if Promino asks, what do you think of the recent limit order feature on Jupiter? Do you think it's possible or a good idea for Lafinity decks to integrate with the limit orders in OpenBook? <laughs> so, all right, so first, what do I think about Jupiter's limit orders? Um, so actually, I haven't like looked super deep. My understanding is that you set a limit order and then as soon as like executing the the limit order or executing an order on jupiter will give you the price that you specified then it is executed so it's like kind of different than a order book where you're not initiating the trade you just place your liquidity and then someone else the taker executes into your bid or ask whereas on jupiter you like set your liquidity and then after price crosses cross <laughs> after price crosses your threshold then jupiter will like execute it for you type of thing so slight difference um so interestingly i think like with this you don't really get the benefit of well i guess you kind of do like um i was gonna say like with jupiter it's an aggregator so you get the best price among all dexes so I guess like you can execute your trade as soon as like there exists a, a route where it gives you your desired price. Um, but that does mean like it'll happen at least slightly slower than it would if you had a limit order on a, a limit order book, I think. Yeah, I think so. But like not meaningfully different probably. But yeah, still true. Um, but yeah, I, like uh I guess I'm not like 100% um on like I'm not sure what the utility is. Like what does this give you that a limit order book doesn't already? Is kind of my thought. Because the execution isn't going to be like um, different per se. It's not like you're going to get better execution because you like you are specifying the price. Like that's the price you're going to get just like you would on a limit order book. So it's not clear to me what the advantage of this feature is. Uh, let me know if I'm missing something there. And then do we think it's a possible or a good idea for Lafinity decks to integrate with limit order limit orders in open book? So actually this is something I was talking about with um, one of the friction devs. Friction's that options protocol that shut down recently. <laughs> and uh, I was also talking with um, Ellipsis Labs, the uh, new order book that's being created Right now, they haven't launched yet, but uh, like supposedly they're supposed to be an improvement over OpenBook. 
Uh, they have some like nice features, like um, for example, I think well, the one I think I remember is uh, like on OpenBook, you have to like uh, cancel your order and then withdraw. It's like a two-step thing, which is like pretty inconvenient. And I think you can do that in like one step on Ellipsis. And they have like some other stuff as well as like they're already thinking about their V2 and features for that. So a pretty cool project. I mean, I, I'm excited about limit order books being improved. <clears throat> Anyways, so as for the idea of uh, Lefinity integrating limit orders. So right now, I think it's probably not <coughs> uh, a good idea. Oh, by the way, yeah, you say, are you familiar with Radium's integration to OpenBook? Yeah. Yeah, because like they, I mean, that's that's kind of like their selling point or like, yeah, it's what they've always done. They take their, their um, well, actually, I'll just read what you wrote. So a couple key takeaways from Radium stocks. The AMM will begin sharing liquidity and pools and market making on the OpenBook order book. B, users on any OpenBook GUI will be able to trade against liquidity from Radium's AMM. Yeah, so... Like, I think, so this can make sense in a world where, like, everyone trades directly in an open book GUI. But I feel like <clears throat> that's not really where we're headed. Because, like, Jupiter is kind of the way, <laughs> as far as I see it. Um, because the best liquidity right now is on Orca and Lefinity, like, right? And I mean, people who are like less familiar with the ecosystem, yeah, maybe they just trade directly on Orca. Like with time, as people get educated, like it's such a no brainer, right? Just trade on Jupiter. Um, unless you're like a market maker, then sure, like it makes sense to, I mean, cause yeah, you need a limit order book for that. So like, yeah, or I guess you could do it on Orca. Um, but yeah, like you, so you you would like place orders on one of those, and you wouldn't do that through Jupiter, sure. But like if you're a retail trader, then you're like the end state. It seems like to me the ideal or like um or the like the almost inescapable end state is that everyone's trading on Jupiter. It's just a matter of education. Um, so yeah, I am familiar with that. So the reason I think it doesn't make sense for Lifinity, uh, there's a few reasons. <clears throat> so. Let's see. So one is the problem of latency. So on OpenBook, if you place an order, um, then that liquidity is just sitting there until you cancel it. And it doesn't matter what the pith oracle says. Once you place that liquidity on OpenBook, it's there. And either you cancel it or someone takes that liquidity. So the problem with this is that now we're in a race with other traders to if our if our orders get stale or in other words the the price that we put the bid at diverges from the current oracle price sufficiently then traders are going to try to snipe those stale bids or asks and we're going to try to cancel them cuz we know that oh shit now it's a bad price and we don't want people to trade against it so we're going to be we're going to be in a race against them. And this is bad because <laughs> um well one like if if they win it sucks because that's impermanent loss for us basically. 
And then two, even if we win, that probably means we're incurring fees. I mean, so first of all, just like the fees of having to place orders and cancel them continuously, updating it continuously according to the Oracle price, which is always changing. Um, so that has fees in and of itself. But then it's worse when you're fighting against, you're competing against these traders who are trying to snipe your stale bids. Because there's priority fees, that means in order to beat them, we're going to try to outbid each other with priority fees. <laughs> and so now it's it's not just the cost of like, you know, um, the cheap Solana transaction fees. Now there's also priority fees, which can get pretty high. And they will be bid up up to the the amount that the trader expects to get in arbitrage. Um, so like, you know, buy or sell into our bid and then buy from a centralized exchange. And um, like whatever they can win from that, that's the limit of how much they'd be willing to bet on the priority fees or lose on priority fees. Uh, and that can be like, it could be pretty large if like price is volatile. So yeah, so those are two reasons. A third one is that the open book itself, actually, I, I forgot if open book does or doesn't, at least Serum had a, a, uh, a fee that they charge, right? Because I mean, they're a DEX, like every DEX, they have a fee. Uh, open book might not have it right now and they might not later, but like in general, you know, even central limit order books have a fee. And so that's a fee on all of our volume that we generate on a central limit order book that we have to pay to the central limit order book. Um, so that kind of sucks because they take, you know, something like 0.04% of all our volume, which, you know, can be quite large in, in total. Um, so there's that. Let's see. I feel like there is another downside. I mean, I guess the other downside is like, uh, I, so I don't really see an upside. It's like, what do we gain from doing all this? Uh, like the one possibility you mentioned is, uh, yeah. So like if, if there's a ton of people trading on open book, open book GUIs, like if that was like the default trading place, then I think that makes sense because in that case, it's like, it's as if the open book GUI is the Jupiter. Like it's the place where everyone goes to trade. Like then it would make sense. But since that's not the case and I don't see like a scenario where that would become the case. Like, uh, I guess if I had to imagine a scenario, like it would be something like, you know, a bunch of TradFi people come in and they're used to central limit order books. So they like they do everything there. And then their volume is so large that it's like not even comparable to retails. So in that scenario, yeah, maybe it becomes worth putting our liquidity there. But I don't know. I don't know. It seems like far-fetched to me. <laughs> So probably not. Yeah, I hope all that made sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like some things that might make it more feasible is like uh, 
And yeah, like I said, kind of talked to Ellipsis about this and it sounded like they might be doing something along these lines is like, if you can include arbitrary logic in your bids and asks, then that might, that would at least help. So for example, if I said, um, limit buy for soul at $22, <clears throat> um, as long as pith price doesn't go below X or something. So in that case, you're basically making it impossible for traders to snipe your stale bids because um, as soon as it becomes profitable for them to do so, it has this custom logic that says, oh, well, now the pith price is too far from um, the current bid, so now you can't trade against it. <laughs> it's like you don't need to do the whole canceling thing that I was talking about earlier. So like that would help with it. Um, I don't see how we can get away from the central limit order book fee and also just the um, transaction fees it would take to um, place orders and cancel them. So, yeah, like if there's, I don't know, I don't even know if this is possible, but like if, <laughs> if you could make it so that <clears throat> you have like a fixed structure of bids and asks, um, that get placed that get placed according to uh, both the pith price and your current inventory. So basically, you're just trying to if if you could make it so you could replicate. Okay, so I'll just say, uh, Lifinity Dex has a price curve, right? Just like every Dex has a price curve. Constant product market makers have a price curve, um, and it tells you like, given this much of each asset, um, what is the current price? of the asset. And so if we could replicate that curve on an order book without having to continually like place new orders and cancel them each time um, the Oracle updates, if, if the bids and asks could be auto updated according to the pith price, then like we just make one transaction and then we're like good for life. <laughs> it just keeps providing liquidity and updating our bids and asks according to the pith price, like that would be feasible. Then it's like, we almost have to do nothing, nothing extra. It's just like a one-time transaction. And then, yeah, it's like Lifinity Dex, except it's in the form of bids and asks. But yeah, I don't think anything like that is going to come anytime soon or ever. <laughs> that sounds like pretty custom and maybe not easy to. And uh, I don't know, it could be like computationally too expensive. I, I wouldn't know. Anyways, <laughs> I hope that whole discussion gave you some context around that. <clears throat> Time for a sip. Ah, good sip. All right, let's see. Well, I'm looking on uh, Twitter, our spaces. We have four people, including myself, 
what happened to last week's or two weeks ago, I guess. A thousand people from then. So unpopular. <laughs> uh, Pedro Norte asks, you can stake as many flares in a vault as you like, correct? Yes. Yes, you can. Um, just so you know, if you stake one flare and then you later want to add more, you will um, have to unstake first, then add more flares, and then restake everything. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of like a three-step process. But yes, it can be done. Uh, Lord Prinz, the millionaire. Quality listeners greater than quantity listeners. Agree. Agree. Are you calling yourself a high-quality listener, Lord Prinz? It's a kind of a, what's the word? Oh man, I'm only getting a hottie. But like, that's an old biblical word, I think. No one uses that word anymore. What's the opposite of humble? Hottie. Uh, wow. I really can't think of the word. Oh well. Pedro Norte says, one more. The rewards for staking, so they depend on the market. Or is it a set amount of Lefinity per flare? It does depend on the market. So um, let me just link you to the article or our tweet thread explaining it. <clears throat> but the TLDR is that the more people who are staking, the less rewards for you. Or the more people who are staking and or locking, the less rewards per staker. And uh, if you go to our NFT page, it shows you like how many people are currently locked and staked. And also how many or your annualized amount of Lifinity tokens you'll receive. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, Apromino asks, what do you think of Hadeswap's bonding mechanism to increase protocol on liquidity by selling Hades on 30 to 40% discount. So I actually wrote a thread about this whole mechanism, why um, this like Ohm style bonding is like uh, basically inefficient. Um, <laughs> so I'll try to explain it here again. And maybe I can... It's probably like uh, in my Twitter, on my Twitter page, the pinned message is my thread of threads. And I think it's in one of those for those interested. But the TLDR is that this whole mechanism is basically outsourcing the selling of your token to other people. So like what... what we need to ask ourselves, like, what does Hadeswap actually want here? What they want is USDC. 
what do they want that for? They want it to pair with their Hades token so that they can increase liquidity. <clears throat> so how can they get USDC? Well, the most straightforward way of doing this is to sell Hades on the market. But that is extremely unpalatable. No, like your Hades holders will fight tooth and nail against that. It's the, like it'll be called dumping, right? It's like the protocol is dumping on this, dumping on us. This is totally unacceptable type of thing. <laughs> so then there's this clever bonding mechanism that kind of hides that dynamic. But ultimately, this is the same thing. Uh, but they have to pay a price, the price of, like, they have to do it inefficiently um, so that they can, like, cover up. I mean, uh, damn, I didn't even know it was 30-40%, but, I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, there's the thread. Thanks for the link. Um, and 30-40% is, like, a lot. Uh, but, yeah, so... What this does is like, so people will buy your token at a 30 to 40% discount in exchange for, um, do you know if they're selling it, they're selling Hades for USDC or are they selling it for Hades USDC LP tokens? Because if they're selling it for Hades USDC LP tokens, that's even worse. They're like screwing themselves basically. Um, they should sell it for USDC at least. That would be twice as better. For NFTs or Soul. Oh, this is not for liquidity of their Hades token? Or is it, oh, it's for Soul to pair with Hades. And then the NFTs are for NFT Soul Pools. Liquidity for their NFT Soul Pools. Oh, so this is not related to their liquidity for Hades token at all? Well, never mind then. Apologies. Ignore everything I said. <laughs> Maybe. Um, let's see. So, like, they're trying to own their NFT soul liquidity. I see interesting so like i guess yeah don't ignore everything i said <laughs> like still the bonding mechanism has this issue like so they would ultimately still do better if they you know sold hades directly for nfts or for soul but again that's unpalatable so they have to do it at this discount and blah 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 if you want to um, understand more why that's inefficient read the thread i guess um, i guess more interestingly um uh let's see yeah so, sorry i'm like i'm so like ignorant about the details i'm just like having to ask questions like do they accept it for any F nft or like a very wide variety or is it like very limited like blue chips only um because like i would imagine if it if they accept a wide variety of NFTs, okay, just the top ten, top ten blue chips for the first phase. Yeah, I think, well, that I'm sure that makes more sense. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I guess they can get more liquidity, um, which is good. On the other hand, this is like clearly bad for their token or their token price. Um, yeah, if you're continually selling Hades, which I I also have to ask, um, is the Hades locked for a week? Is it like the same as the Olympus bonding mechanism or five days a week longer a year <clears throat> 30 day yeah 30 days so I mean that's like longer than Olympus but still like relatively short like you're not taking on I mean 30 days is a lot more risk than just one week I guess but yeah like uh <laughs> let's see they then added another 10 pools for the second phase the ones they need more liquidity given the overall market volume for those collections yeah i don't know i guess i mean it's certainly interesting i uh i question the uh the viability of it i guess um like the amount of liquidity that they can gather is so dependent on the price of Hades and Hades if you're just continually selling it uh, I don't know much about Hades I don't know if there's like revenue anything or if there's a reason to lock it or anything like that but if there isn't any other mechanism, if, it, if it's just like a speculative governance token or whatever, then if you're continually selling at a 30 to 40% discount, um, I think the price will just keep going down, right? Because, I mean, <clears throat> the thing about these, these bonding mechanisms is that the people buying the Hades token, I think most people are trying to do the arbitrage where they're basically speculating on a 30-day period. They're like, okay, I'm going to buy Hades at this discount. I'm betting that price will not go down more than 30 to 40% during this time period. Therefore, after the time period, I will be able to sell this for a profit. I think that's what most people are doing. And I don't think... Like, if people believe in Hades, the token... Um, yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of doubt there's like many of those kinds of people just like, just like looking to accumulate Hades and so exchanging, um, NFTs and soul for it. Like I actually did this bonding mechanism arbitrage a bunch when, um, Soshin protocol was... They had their whole bonding thing. Well, I guess I did it with um, Invictus as well. Back when those two were still live, um, I just did the arbitrage. And like for them, it was like even easier because uh, let's see. Invictus was five or seven days. So like quite low risk. Um, and then let's see. Soshan, it might have been longer, depending on the token. But yeah, some of those were 
pretty juicy. <laughs> and I wasn't there to accumulate tokens, no way. I was there to just do this ARB. Uh, let's see. Promino says, the protocol has zero fees, zero percent fees at the moment, but Hades holders can submit a proposal to increase the AMM fees and then may share the fees among the holders. Right on. So, so a clear path to rev sharing if they wanted, which is cool. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say. Like, I so I'm also like not, uh, I don't like fully understand the relationship between Hades and Tensor. Like, it seems like Tensor has all the tech, right? And I'm not sure what does Hades have. Like, uh, or what are the various reasons for wanting to trade on Hades versus Tensor? Like, you basically just trade on whichever has better liquidity, right? Well, except that Tensor, like, aggregates. So wouldn't you just trade on Tensor? So Hades is, like, another marketplace. But Tensor is kind of the go-to. Uh, Promino says, Hadeswap always aims to have the deepest liquidity. I mean, yeah, but like every NFT marketplace aims for that. Um, I mean, I guess, so Hadeswap is trying to do this by buying all this liquidity. But, so I guess there's also the question of, okay, so they buy this liquidity and then how do they provide the liquidity? Do they do it on a constant product curve? Or do they concentrate it? Because like there's problems with both. If it's a constant product curve, your liquidity is probably not good at all. It's just like too broad um, that you're not going to get like any trades or very few. It's certainly not going to give you the deepest liquidity. And if you concentrate liquidity, well, it's very easy to concentrate too much. And then uh, you like the price goes outside your range, right? So then you, you're providing no liquidity because you're outside the range. Um, yeah, so the, and like, you know, the optimal parameters for like how to do that is like, it depends on each asset, right? So how do they, determine that I mean I kind of like what they're doing in theory it just seems pretty difficult I mean it's kind of like what we were kind of hoping to do with our bribing mechanism but for practical reasons, didn't really work out. Like a, a major reason is like we learned, actually we don't want exposure to every token under the sun. <laughs> and if you open it up to bribing, that means other protocols get to choose which tokens that we hold. And that's kind of a scary thought. <laughs> um, yeah.
Uh, Pramana says, with regards to underlying tech, I believe only Elixir is deeply in investing into it, where they fractionalize each NFT into 1,000 tokens and put the liquidity into a concentrated liquidity market maker pool. They're now moving their fractionalized NFT soul pools from Radium Concentrated Liquidity Market Maker to Orca Whirlpools. Okay, yeah, so I mean, that begs the question of what price range do they choose? And also, like, yeah, I don't know, like this, this fractionalized NFT thing, I haven't ever seen it work out on Solana or Ethereum. Uh, maybe I, maybe it has worked somewhere, and I just I'm just not aware of it. Totally possible. Um, but I think it just seems like people want whole NFTs. You know, like maybe eventually we'll reach a state where NFTs are so financialized that people don't mind having fractions. <laughs> But right now, we're still very much in, like, you know, the PFP mindset phase. People just want whole NFTs for the most part. Um, yeah, like, remember when there was the uh, solvent protocol? And uh, that just never took off. People didn't really want to trade these fractions. I mean, I guess that... that could have partially been due to like how cumbersome it was having to convert back and forth and then the fees w were also quite large i think it was two percent that's big so that probably contributed to it but like even if there were no fees like imagine you can fractionalize for free it's like uh who would do that I guess you'd do it if you'd expect more volume by fractionalizing it, which in theory should make sense, right? Like if you can trade something in smaller units, then that should increase your trader base because people don't have to buy whole things. Like you've heard the whole thing of like people being like, oh, but Bitcoin's so expensive, I can't buy one. <laughs> like people who don't understand that you can buy fractions. Um, and so when you educate those people, hey, you can just buy like a hundredth of a Bitcoin, then they go and buy some. So like in the same sense, like if people know they can trade something fractionalized, all else being equal, it should make sense that its volume increases. But um, most people aren't using, well, I guess, I mean, no, no, that's not true. Lots of people are speculating, are using NFTs as a speculative vehicle. But um not in such a in such a granular way i guess people aren't don't really try to express their views in so granular a matter like you don't hear people saying like oh man like monkeys they're, they're so expensive like 200 soul i can't afford that I just want to buy a fraction of it. I just want a tenth of a monkey. Like you don't hear people, you don't hear like demand for that, right? Like if people can't buy a monkey, they just go to some other NFT that they can afford and speculate there. Um, yeah, and I mean, then there's also the issue of like, 
I mean, usually there is like some kind of utility attached to NFTs. Like <coughs> if you have an NFT, you can uh, join this Discord or something. And if you can't do that with a fraction, then, which I mean, is most often the case, right? You, you can't. Then that kind of hurts the value proposition of these fractionalized NFTs. Like it really ju does just make it about speculation, right? But it's speculation with extra steps, so it's kind of cumbersome. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling. Do you like my rambling? Are we losing our Twitter crowd? Where's our 1,000 listeners today? <laughs> no one came here to hear me talk about fractionalized NFTs that much, I am sure of. All right, well, uh, yeah, so sorry my, my thoughts are so jumbled, but I hope that that was slightly interesting, at least. <laughs> um, yeah, all right, well, anyone have any more questions? If someone on Twitter has questions, I can bring you on stage too, just let me know. took a sip giving giving you guys the play uh wait what's the what's the term play by play yeah <laughs> on my sip game Let's see no requests to speak all right well in that case I think I'm going to call it, um, even though I think someone just joined. Oh, Sticks G Fox listening on Discord and Twitter. Or wait, no, he left Twitter and joined on Discord. Interesting. No idea. No idea what he's trying to do there. Don't worry, guys. I recorded. I recorded it on Twitter. Unlike Sticks G Fox, not recording yesterday. <laughs> Sorry, man. I just I just had to do the stab. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Uh, oh wait. Let me check. What is this? Oh, lol. Twitter was bugging out. Shameful. I didn't record. Yeah, people were sad. Maybe next time. Um. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for showing up once again. Thanks for the good questions um yeah uh i'll see you see you back in the discord peace out